know, her, her cousin Mordecai encouraged her to stand up and defend the Jewish nation and save thousands or tens of thousands of people from, from death. And she did that. But Mordecai said these immortal words. He said, who knows but that you have come to, to this royal position for just such a time as this. Just such a time, a strategic time. And I, I want to say this morning, friends, that I believe that you and I have been born at exactly the right time. You're here, you're in the city of Toowoomba and the surrounding area here, and you're here even, even today for just such a time as this. Because God has got a purpose and a plan for your life. And, and I think what He wants us to do, He wants us to take to heart the tens of thousands of people in this city that have never met Jesus that the only, only way they know that the name Jesus is as a swear word, that have got no concept of, the, of a loving God that, that uh, is drawing them to himself, that wants to bring wholeness and healing and freedom in their heart. I think God wants us to take to heart all of those people and do whatever we can to bring them into a knowledge of the living God. And so the fact that that is true, in fact, what I want us to do, I want us to take as many people to heaven with us as we can before we die. Can we agree to that? That's what I want to do. Uh, before I die anyway, I want to take as many people as I can to heaven with me. So, um, and it's the reason why money is important. Because the gospel, the message about Jesus is absolutely free. It's completely free, as, as you know, I'm sure. But it costs money to get it out to people. And so, uh, that's why money matters. And so, uh, we're going to share a little bit about money and about finance uh, today. And so this is the start of a series called God, Money and Me. And today I want to, uh, as it says up there, explode some of the myths about money. And I want to start off by saying that everything I'm going to talk about this morning are things that I have had to work through in my own life and I've had to hammer them out on the anvil of experience and I've had to get from God what, what I see is true and, and correct in the Scripture. Because there's a whole lot of wrong thinking and wrong ideas out there in society uh, about money. And so let's, let's be really clear about this. And uh, I'm not embarrassed about this subject, by the way. And I hope you're not. It's kind of funny that pastors sometimes and churches, they don't want to talk about money. And we don't talk much about it. Like, we really don't. It's actually two years since I addressed this subject. But I think we need to talk more about it. You know what? Jesus talked more about money and possessions than almost any other subject. And if we don't talk about it, we're not giving the weight of emphasis to this that Jesus gave to it. Is that, can we agree on that? I think we need to talk about this, you know. And it's not about, you know, trying to lever you into a different position. But I do want, I want us to have a godly understanding of this subject. And so we're going to dive right into some of the myths around money, and the first one is this, that, and this, by the way, this, this first one that I'm going to share with you is really not much to do with the subject, but it's like an elephant in the room, and I just want to stick it out there, and uh, like the other sacred cows this morning, we're going to shoot it, okay? We're going to, who's, who's up for killing some sacred cows, you know? Oh, oh great, thank you. Like this, you know, get ready, we're going to kill some sacred cows this morning. If you're nervous about that, well, you'll be okay. There's no need to worry. God is here. He's here. He'll protect you. Okay. So the first myth is 
God somehow wants your money. And I have to tell you, God does not want or need your money. Just think about this for a moment. Do we think that the creator of the universe, the one who stretched out the stars, who who flung the stars into place, the Bible tells us in Job 38, the one who laid the foundations of the earth, the one who controls this universe, do we think that somehow he's a bit short of cash this week? Can, Can we think, can we get our head around that? No, no, no. He's not short of cash. And I have to tell you, friends, that when I've, I'm going to read to you from Psalm 50, verse 12. And this is an amazing scripture. Uh, it says, God says, if I get hungry, do you think I'd tell you? So God's saying, if, I've, if he's got a special need, is he going to tell you? No, he's not going to tell you. He does not need us to feed him. He does not need us to pay his bills. You know, God, God's not like that. So he said, all creation and its bounty are mine. And I, I want to tell you that when I first saw the scripture in Psalm 50, I'd probably read it before, but when it came to me as a revelation, you know, I really zeroed in my heart. And said, what? I was so shocked by this, really. Because what I'd been hearing all my life was, you should give, 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 because God needs this and you know, the church needs this. And uh, Friends, God does not want or need our money. Let's be really clear about that. Now, I've been in church all my life, right? And um, when I first read this scripture, I thought, I've never heard anybody ever say this from the pulpit because it doesn't kind of fit. You know, when we've always got to be having these offering messages and we've always got to be saying, you know, give, 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 it doesn't kind of fit somehow. And I remember, I remember the next time after that that I gave an offering message, I used this scripture. I said, I know, I know this is going to probably contradict or make someone else feel uneasy, but it's the truth. God is, does not need your money. Let's start off right there and let's move on. Okay, to the next one of these. That's important. The next one. I, I do know this, that God is continually looking for people that he will use, that he will empower, that he wants to speak through you. He wants to use you. He wants to, He's looking for people that that he can use to provide for the needs of others. So when we say God doesn't need your money, it doesn't mean to say that God doesn't need us to give anything. It just means to say we've got to get it in perspective. The, point of the, the whole point of it is this, friends. God is not a taker. He is fundamentally a giver. And that's where I really want us to land today and what I want us to really get uh, in our hearts today. Okay, myth number two. And this is not so much of a myth. It's more of a lie uh, of Satan and a delusion that can come into our minds. And it goes like this. I'll always be poor. Not talking about me here necessarily. I could be or it could be you. That lie that comes into our mind that says, I've been poor in the past. and I'm always going to be poor. I'll never be able to get above this certain level. I was reading some research about this, uh, this during the week. And according to one of the big banks, do you know... 40, this is a 2021 statistic, 45.8% of the world's wealth, almost half of the world's wealth is controlled by 1.1% of the world's population. Now, you might have heard of that before, I don't know. But a tiny, tiny group of people in the world control at least half, or all, sorry, around half of the world's wealth. So you might be saying... 
well, I'll never get into that group. You know, that, that's never going to be me because I'm just down here somewhere and I'm never going never gonna to be able to rise above that. Here's a scripture that I, I want to share this morning and, and I hope we can get a hold of it from Deuteronomy chapter 8. And it says this, You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is He who gives you power to get wealth, that He may confirm His covenant that He swore to your fathers as it is this day. Now, I thought of that when Paul was sharing before about, uh, you know, they've got this big building construction underway for a church building, and they didn't know, the architect didn't know how to solve the problem. And he said, well, who here is going to hear from God and give us the answer to this problem? And this guy who was not a Christian, God spoke to him and said, this is how you do it. And the architect said, well, why didn't I think of that? What I'm, the point I'm making this morning, friends, is that God knows things that you don't know. And God has got ways of blessing you. God has got ways of pouring His goodness and His life and His prosperity into your life that you haven't thought of just yet. And I'm, what I'm, I'm praying and I'm believing that even in this meeting, God is going to give someone here a million-dollar idea. Because I tell you, God does that. And, I, and I've had those sort of ideas dropped into my heart. Not million-dollar ideas, but good ideas. Things that I would never have thought of, but God showed me, do that and do that do that and it really worked and so I know this is real I know it that when you put your trust in God he's on your side and he's working for you can we agree on that is that that's pretty basic isn't it you know um, as I said we, we're replacing the carpet in this in this building here and I was talking to our carpet contractor and uh, he said you know what um, a big organization just put exactly the same carpet as we're getting put it down in their buildings just recently, and he told me the price that they paid for it and the price we're paying for it. And I worked out the difference in this size room. We're saving $13,600 at the price we paid for it. Now, to me, that's a lot of money <laughs> to the church. That's, so what I'm saying is that God can prosper you in ways you wouldn't have thought of and things that, you know, you hadn't... God will do it. Um, just think for a moment about conversations with people. What's the most annoying conversation you can have with somebody? <laughs> just think about it for a moment. What's the most annoying conversation you can have with someone? I'll, I'll answer the question. It's, it's somebody who whenever you say something, they always say, I know. They say, oh, I know. You say something... You try to say something that's intelligent, and they say, oh, I know, I know. They're always saying, I know. Here's the problem. We think we know a lot of things, but actually we don't know what we don't know. And I want to tell you this morning, friends, that God is here to show you what you need to know. Because he has got wisdom and understanding and knowledge far beyond anything that you could ever imagine. And so let's be open to that. I want to read to you from 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9 today. This wonderful scripture says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you, through his poverty, might become rich. Jesus laid aside his heavenly majesty and glory and riches 
and he became poor so that we could become rich, the Bible says. So God, the point I'm making is that God doesn't want you to be poor. He wants you to be rich. Now, you can define poverty however you want. But all I know is Jesus came, he became poor so that we could become rich. The other thing about this is that today, friends, you and I, whatever your financial circumstances are, you and I are both rich because of the cross, because, because of the cross that Jesus died on. So don't let anyone ever tell you that you are poor, because today you are rich because of the cross. You are rich because of what Jesus did. You are rich because he gave his life so that we could have eternal life and we could become rich in him. The second point about that is that I know God wants you to prosper in the natural. We've been talking about being prosperous in your heart and spiritually. But I know that God wants you to prosper in the natural as well. He wants you to become a bigger person. He wants you to become, to, to expand your thinking and to overcome those intimidating voices that say you'll always be poor. You'll never have enough. I do know this, the devil doesn't want you to prosper, but God does. God wants you to prosper. You'll know this scripture from 3 John verse 2. It says, Beloved, I pray that in every way you may prosper and enjoy good health as your soul also prospers. I looked up that word prosper in the original language. It's a, it's a compound word. It's from two words. One, one word means uh, well or good, and the other word is um, to go on a journey on a particular road. So what it actually means is when it says prosper, it means that you may go on uh, a, a blessed journey or a, a, a road that leads you in the right direction. That's really what it means. Or to be on, a, on the right or a profitable pathway. That's what he's saying. Let's, um, let's go back to Deuteronomy in the Old Testament. And Moses said this. He says to the people of Israel, When your flocks and herds have become very large and your silver and gold have multiplied, along with everything else, be careful. In other words, be careful not to forget the Lord your God. Then he goes on in verse 18. Make sure you remember the Lord your God because it's He who gives you power to get wealth. But I like this verse 13 because it says when, when, not if. Not, not just maybe if you increase and you prosper. He says when you prosper and when you increase, when everything you have increases. So you know what, friends? God is not ambivalent about your prosperity. He's committed to it. He says, I want you to prosper. He's committed to it. Let's, let's move on. Myth number three. And this is an idea that can very easily be propagated in our minds. And, I, and I, I've, I believe this myself for a long time. Ask my wife, she'll tell you that. I used to say this. It's funny how we get these little sayings and we say things that come out of a mindset or a mentality that we embrace and actually, they are the things that are defining our life, and they can be defining our theology, our view of God, and they can be defining our philosophy of life. I used to say this, this phrase, words to this effect, enough is enough. And maybe you've said that. So long as I've just got enough. I don't want to become wealthy. I don't want to become rich. I don't want to have too much. I just want to have enough. I'd like to say this morning, friends, if you've lived any part of your life with not enough or your parents 
have lived any part of their life with not enough. And I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but I reckon most of us in this room would come into that category. There would have been a time in your life when you were just making ends meet or maybe not quite making ends meet. Is that ringing any bells here with people? I, I tell, it sure, sure does with me. <laughs> and I could tell you some of the stories. I've already probably told some of the stories. If you've lived any part of your life like that, then it's very easy to become obsessed with just enough and to say to yourself, if I can just have enough, I'll be okay. When in actual fact, God wants you to go beyond that, and I'll tell you why. Enough is never enough because God has a purpose in you prospering because he wants to use you as a channel of blessing for other people. I know know that, and we're going to look at some other scriptures later on. But that's what this is really all about. That's what Deuteronomy 8.18 is talking about, where it says, Remember the Lord your God. He is the one who gives you power to be successful or get wealth in order to fulfill the covenant he confirmed with your ancestors, to, to your ancestors with an oath. He's talking about Abraham when God spoke to Abraham, said, Abraham, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to favor your life. I'm going to make you famous, actually. I'm going to prosper you, and you'll be a blessing to all the nations of the world. That's the covenant God's talking about. And so what he's saying here is, I want to bless you so that you can be a blessing to others. And if we say to ourselves, well, I just only want to have enough. Mostly that comes out of low self-esteem. It comes out of our history that we've maybe struggled. We've been on struggle street most of our life. And, you know, and there's been a lot of times when we have as well. You know, but I want to tell you, God's got a purpose in prospering you. And it's not just so that you can spend your days at the beach sipping something or other or just enjoying your life or get a bigger TV. or It's not about that. It's so that he can use you to meet the needs of other people around you and you can be a blessing to them. Blessed to be a blessing. That is God's big picture. That's what God is calling us to. And I believe God wants to break a poverty mentality off our life and he wants to release us to be a channel of his provision for others. Have a think about this for a moment. You know when God led his people, the nation of Israel, out of slavery and captivity, he led them through the desert. And some of you or many of you read this story. He led them into the desert. So that here they are. There's this huge group, up to three million people. They're out there in the desert. Moses is leading them. And they're out there. And it's only a few days out. And they're starting to think, well... What are we going to eat tomorrow? And what are we going to eat next week? They're starting to get worried about the food supply, right? Now, you, you and I would be exactly the same. Is that, is that right? Well, that's, I think that's what we would be doing. And so they started to become obsessed with having enough, just enough. They didn't really know what was going to happen after that. Let's read Exodus. or we'll read that in a moment. What happened is that God said to Moses, I am going to provide for your needs. I'm going to send quail down for you every evening. And I'm going to, I'm going to, and the, and the manna, you know, this, this food fell from heaven. It was like flakes and they, and they ground it up and made flour and made cakes out of it. You, you could say they had chicken burgers, you know, I don't know, but um, that's what happened. And they went out and collected it off the ground every morning. And it was just incredible. God supernaturally provided for them. 
Let's read what it says in Exodus 16. So the people of Israel did as Moses told them to do. Some gathered a lot, some only a little. But when they measured it out, everyone had just enough. Those who gathered a lot had nothing left over. And those who gathered only a little had enough. Each family had just what it needed. And I've thought about that a few times over the years. And I thought, well, how did that work? It's like supernatural. That's like a, amazing. If you weren't able to gather enough, maybe you couldn't find enough or you, maybe someone had a disability or, or they, they weren't quick enough or whatever. They couldn't find it. Then it came home and it kind of multiplied. Is that, is that what happened? It doesn't say, it doesn't explain here, but the Apostle Paul explains what happened in the book of 2 Corinthians, in his second letter to the Corinthians. He explains that they were actually sharing with one another. Let's read it. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 14. Um, and he's talking about giving. This, this chapter is all about a special offering that they took up because the, the believers down in Jerusalem, there was a drought and they were, they were really in hard times. Like there was just really, they were in a really bad way. And so everywhere Paul was going, he was taking up an offering that he could take back and just help them through this really hard time. And he's talking about this. So he says, right now, you have plenty and can help those who are in need. Later, they will have plenty and can share with you when you need it. In this way, things will be equal. As the scriptures say, those who gathered a lot had nothing left over, and those who gathered only a little had enough. He's quoting the book of Exodus. And so um, Paul's saying what happened is they were actually sharing with, between families so that everyone had enough. And I think what Paul was doing was he was uh, just demonstrating that this is how, uh, this is a kind of mentality he wants us to have, uh, a generosity of heart so that we're not afraid to share with someone who doesn't have enough. And I think what happened for the Israelites back there when they were collecting the manna, not only were they experiencing God's amazing supernatural provision, but they got to practice sharing what they had with one another and practicing a generous lifestyle. Okay, here's the last myth, myth number four. Um, and this is a big one because I'm only going to touch, I'll scratch the surface of this today, but in reality, this is a huge subject. Um, I've been hearing this all my life in church and I now think um, it's a problem. And I think we need to just really say, what is God saying to us in this? It goes like this. The more you give, the more you get. The more you give, the more you get. Now, here's the problem. The problem is it's partly true. It's true in some contexts. It's true in, to, to, to a certain extent, but it's not universally true. And the problem with it is, if we, if we keep on saying that, if I stood up here and said to you, if you've got a need in your life, you need to put some money in the offering and believe God will meet that need. If I, if I started saying that to you, I can't support that in the Scripture. Uh, there are certain references in some passages of Scripture that do lean towards that, but it's more really, when you look, let's talk about them. Luke 6.38 is the main one that gets quoted. Give generously and it'll be given back to you. It's talking about judgment, criticism, and forgiveness. It's not talking about money. 
but it gets used to talk about money all the time. Um, 1 Corinthians 15, Paul is talking about to the Corinthian church about the law of sowing and reaping, but he's talking about resurrection, that when you die, your body will be raised again when the Lord comes. And it, that's, that's the sowing and reaping he's talking about. Nothing to do with money. And then in 2 Corinthians 9, the passage we're looking at, he is talking about money. But if you read the whole chapter, it's really clear that the, the, the sowing and the reaping that happens, the reaping there is this, that you will reap an even greater harvest of generosity and benefit in your own life. And I believe that what God is wanting to do in us, He wants to use you and I, uh, to, to, He wants to increase our heart of generosity. And the more we give, we're just want to, going to give even more. We, 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 will have, we will grow in our generosity towards other people. I, um, some, some time ago, uh, we had a family over for, for dinner at our place and uh, a family from, another, from the Middle East, Middle Eastern culture. And uh, it's, it was one of those cultures where they have like a payback system. You might have heard of this before, a payback system. Uh, where, and so when they came over for dinner, they brought this beautiful and somewhat expensive gift for us. Now, we weren't expecting anything. We just wanted to bless them. You know, we, and we didn't expect anything at all. But we've still got this. And it's a beautiful thing that they brought for us. But in their culture, apparently, that's what you had to do. You could never receive anything unless you could also give something. And, you know, it's easy for us to get that mentality and, and to think that God is actually like that, that he has a payback system so that when we give something to God, he's somehow obligated to, to return something back to us. But I want to say, friends, it's not like that. God is not waiting for you to give something to Him so that He can return something back to you. If we think that way, um, there's several things wrong with that. One is that it makes us, it, it tends to be all about me. It, it tends to push me more towards a consumption mindset. And I just need to get what I need to get. And however I need to get it, I've got to get it from God. I don't think God is wanting that. I think he wants us to go beyond that to a, to a generosity mindset rather than a consumption mindset. Let me just take a moment to talk about how this works. And in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, we have this wonderful scripture about being born again, about being saved, about opening our heart to God. And it says this in Ephesians 2. You, you, you know this verse where it says, for it's by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works, so that no one can boast. So the, the important thing is, he says here, it's by grace you've been saved through faith. Now, so, so what is the grace of God? The grace of God is God saying, I'm not expecting anything in return because that's the way God is. But I just want to pour out upon your life everything you need. That's the grace of God. It's unmerited favor. It's, it's undeserved. We didn't deserve his salvation offer for us, but he poured out his grace upon us. But we have to receive it and accept it through faith. That's the faith part. So there's God's part and there's my part to reach out. Otherwise, you can't, you're not going to be saved. If, if you can just understand God has made salvation available to everyone, 
but we've got to reach out and take hold of it. Let's read the one below it in Titus. It says, For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. So, you see, if it was just about the grace of God, if it was only God's grace, then everybody would be saved. Now, you and I know that that's not true. There's a lot of people in our community here that have got no knowledge of God and no intention of following God. They've got, they've got no understanding of the things of God, and their life is just on a downhill slide. You know, but this is the grace of God that offers salvation has appeared to all people. So we've got to reach out with faith and take hold of that. And so there is something that we've got to, we've got to give to, um, to receive from God, His offer of salvation. And I, I just think that's relevant to not only salvation, but everything else we do with God. It's about God's grace. There's actually many scriptures, other scriptures that say the same thing. I'm not going to go through them for the sake of time this morning. But God, by grace, has already accomplished everything He's going to do but it doesn't automatically come to pass. I've got to reach out in faith and take hold of it. So we can't just be preaching grace. We've got to also preach faith that people will be able to receive from God. And I, friends, the New Testament has got a lot to say about this subject of giving. Lots and lots. So we're gonna, next week we're going to continue on to talk about giving from a generous heart and uh, what God is uh, leading us into so so what so does god still expect me to give if i say if i give just giving so i can get back from god is not really the picture then does god still expect me to give let me um let me go back to romans 11 verse 35 i think i missed that scripture before i missed it somewhere romans eleven thirty-five. It says, who has given something to God that obligates God to owe him something in return? Who has given something to God that obligates God to owe him something in return? When I, when I first saw that, that was, a, that was a bombshell scripture to me as well. It basically says, who do you think you are that you can twist God's arm? If you think you can give something to God... And then he's obligated to pay you back in some way. That scripture makes it very clear it's just not going to happen. Because you know, we can't twist God's arm. In actual fact, his bounty, his generosity, his benevolence, his incredible love and grace and goodness and, and everything has been showered upon us. He sends his rain on the just and the unjust. You know, And, and I think... I just think what God wants for us, he, is, he wants us to become more like Him. You know, if, when I talk about sowing and reaping, I could say, well, you know, I should, I should give this so I can get something back. But that's not what God does. He gives with no expectation of return at all. And what about Ephesians 4, 23 that says, take on this new nature created to be like God in all, in all righteousness and holiness and, and justice. That's what God wants for us, to become more like him, a gracious giver. So, so in Romans eleven thirty five, um, how can I give anything to God that obligates Him to give back to me? In other words, He's actually saying, how can you give anything to God that's meaningful? Any of the, any offering that you might give to God, how can you give something to God that's meaningful? 
And then the very next verse, he gives us the answer. Romans 12, verse 1. He gives us the answer. And here it is. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for Him. So what he's saying here, friends, is this. I want you to give everything you've got to me. Everything. In the first part of the Bible, the Old Testament, there's a lot of talk about sacrifices that people bring. They're animal sacrifices. You know, and they were, people were expected to bring a lamb or a, or a bullock or a, or a other kind of a goat or some kind of animal as a sacrificial offering. And here, Paul is saying, that's not enough. Animal sacrifices won't do. Other external sacrifices won't do. He, God says, I want your physical life, your social life, your economic life, your best life. I want every part of your life and just lay it on the altar before him. And friend, I want to say this. When you do that, it's always going to be a living sacrifice. He doesn't want to take anything from you. He doesn't want to damage you in any way. He just wants to empower you and fill you with himself. And when you do that, when you offer yourself fully to God, 100%, what will happen is that he will fill you with his spirit. He will come and he will empower you. He'll show you what the future holds for you. He'll give you a vision for your future. So I say to you this morning, friends, don't just give him 10%. People complain about tithing. They don't like the idea of tithing. But you know what? God doesn't believe in tithing. He does not want your 10%. He wants 100% of everything you've got. That's what he wants. Lay it all on the, offer, the altar before him and then just see what he does. See what God does for you. But it takes a lot of trust. It takes trust in God. And we'll talk more about that next week as well. So I, I'm asking you this morning, is God speaking to you today? Maybe you've given parts of your life to God. Maybe you've given a little bit. Maybe you've opened the door of your heart to God and said, well, you, know, you can have this much. And today he's saying, I want you to give your whole life to me. I want you to give your whole heart to me. I want to fill you to overflowing. I want to work through you. I want to speak through you. Uh, but first, you need to surrender wholly to me. I wonder if our creative team can come back right now. Because I do know this, that God wants to speak through you, and he wants to use you to be a blessing. He's, he's blessed us already. He's blessed you already to be a blessing to other people. And we just need to find ways to do that, to channel that blessing into the lives of other people. Can we pray? Why don't we close our eyes for a moment and look to God? Mm -hmm.